Hey, everybody, and welcome back on the Macro Compass. It's about midnight here in Europe, but we just had the Federal Reserve meeting, and I thought, well, I'm, I can't leave my community without my lively take of what happened tonight. So in this piece, that's what we're going to do. We're going to cover the Fed meeting and its implication for markets. But to explain what happened today with the FOMC meeting, we need to take a short step back. The latest U.S. CPI release, the inflation report, materially surprised on the downside. Both headline and core inflation rose way below expectations. 65 out of 67 economists surveyed by Bloomberg didn't foresee that uh, slower inflation trend. Now, Powell recently divided inflationary pressures into three main categories. Core goods, housing-related inflation, and ex-housing core services. And why am I telling you that? Let me explain. Core goods um, had a lot of price pressures because of supply bottlenecks combined with the pandemic-related binge spending uh, in, in core goods themselves. But now the Fed understands that this category will suffer from these inflationary pressures because supply bottlenecks are easing, because the pandemic is basically over. So it's not where their focus lies. Housing-related inflation, of course, Powell uh, wants this component to go down. He also knows that negotiated rents are cooling down on the ground, but he understands that housing-related CPI will take a while to reflect these trends because of calculation methodologies, which means the Fed wants shelter inflation lower, but it can only wait and see. It can't directly affect it. So core goods, it's not really their target. Housing-related inflation, they can only wait and see. X housing core services prices. This is the stickiest inflationary component and the Fed can directly influence them via a weaker labor market and lower wages, lower wage growth. And this is what uh, must go convincingly down. Now, the latest CPI print showed exactly this category, X housing core services pricing cooling further. Its annualized three-month rate of change is rapidly dropping towards 2%, as you can see from a chart in the article, and markets interpreted this as the ultimate dovish signal, sent bond yields sharply lower, equity prices higher in a typical Fed pivot move. Now, after all, if you think that the if you see that the stickiest components of the CPI basket, the ones that the Fed is targeting, are showing signs of cooling, this must be a green light for the Fed to be more confident that they will in the end achieve their objective and therefore loosen up. Well, instead, today, the Fed came with their updated economic projections that incorporated the CPI print, and they nevertheless showed Fed funds at 5.125% by, listen to me, December 2023, and core PCE by then only at 3.5%. So basically, they're showing an incredibly restrictive Fed for a very long period of time, with Fed funds effectively above 5% for a full year. And nevertheless, this will only be able to slow core PCE down to almost double the Federal Reserve Monday at 3.5%. It's a very serious message. Powell elaborated, I think, on three important points today. So let's go through them. Number one, the Fed believes the labor market is still red hot. And here, I need to stress how much they think it's red hot, red hot still today. The Fed is very opinionated about this, as much as forecasting the first time in history when the sum rule will not apply. In their projections, the three-month moving average of unemployment rate 
would definitely move way more than 50 basis points if you look at the summary of economic projections above the last 12 months low. That's the sum rule. When the three-month moving average of unemployment rate moves 50 basis points or higher above its last 12-month low, there is always a recession, but the Fed this time thinks there will not be a recession and it will be different. Second point I need to stress out, I definitely disagree. This time is never different in finance and we will have a serious recession. Now, Powell is so convinced that the labor market is still very red hot, and that's important because he believes that to bring convincingly down the very category of inflation we talked about before, ex-housing core services inflation, you need to weaken the labor market, which he believes to be super strong. I think he spent about seven to eight minutes of the press conference endlessly repeating how hot the labor market is, but it is not if you look at forward-looking labor market indicators that I put up in the article, they show that U.S. non-farm payrolls are likely to slow to zero, yes, zero net job growth by March next year, and turn negative job losses after that. Uh, the charts refer to financial conditions and banks' lending standards, as both have tightened very aggressively in 2022, and they lead hiring patterns by nine months they point to negative job growth as soon as the second quarter next year, which basically means that Powell is setting policy looking in the rearview mirror, and it will lead the U.S. into a recession with Fed funds above 5%. That's the first message, and that's my first reminder that you shouldn't fight the Fed. Now, the second message that Powell sent is that, well, they moved the dot plot accordingly. Um, the Fed funds rates uh, in the dot plot are now uh, projected to be at 5.125% until December 2023. Yes, that's true, but bond investors have made up their mind. The Fed can change the dot plot all they want, but at this point in the cycle, there is no chance they'll be able to keep rates above 5% for the entire 2023. So the market-implied Fed funds for the end of 2023 are implying net cuts towards the 5% area. And the Fed dot plot is pointing instead to hikes above 5% and then a long pause. But the most interesting ones in fixed income markets, I think you guys should pay attention, is a chart I put in the article. Inflation swap traders are pricing year-on-year -year inflation to develop in the months ahead. And look at that. It's from today's 7% plus to basically 2.5% in eight months. That's a very aggressive disinflationary trend. Even an optimistic Fed can't expect that, but there is a catch. The catch is that the bond market understands, of course, that if you tighten financial conditions like hell, and by doing so, you ignore all the forward-looking indicators, you will definitely succeed in slowing down inflation, but that's because you'll be causing a recession. So I put again there the table that I, I did as a study looking at the last 100 years of recessionary episodes in the U.S., and history shows us how a recession has always succeeded in slowing down inflation very rapidly. And this time, if you put the piece together, it won't be different. And again, you shouldn't fight the Fed on that because Powell is setting policy, looking in the rearview mirror, and he's leading the US into a recession. The recession will be able to slow inflation down, but it's never something to be particularly happy about. Now, the third point, which I found very interesting, is that he was asked straight away if the Fed is thinking about changing the 2% inflation mandate, something that I see 
It's a very popular theory on Twitter, and I fought very hardly against because I understand how policymakers' incentive schemes are set, having talked to them plenty of times in my previous job. And this was Powell's response. Changing the inflation target is not something we are thinking about. And it's also not something we are going to think about thinking about under any circumstances. Our inflation target is 2% full stop. Now, they used to say, it's not about what the Fed should do, but about what they will do. And while we may discuss whether raising the inflation target to 3 or 4% is a sensible policy choice, there is no way that Powell will even entertain a discussion about it now. Credibility is seriously at stake. And the only way to get it back is getting the job done. The job is moving inflation back to 2%, not moving the goalpost and calling victory. Now, these were the three main messages from today. But now let's go to the serious stuff, which is the conclusions and the portfolio implications. So Powell won't consider risking a premature loosening of financial conditions. He told us a lot of times this year that he does not want to repeat the experience from the 70s as history strongly cautions about prematurely loosening financial conditions as inflation could pick up again later on. That literally means that he'll be watching the US walk into a recession and stubbornly keep monetary policy very tight. Even as the labor market and forward-looking indicators are clearly slowing signs of deterioration, even as um, core services prices ex-housing are showing a deterioration, Powell has not shown any hint that he wants to loosen conditions. So what's the right portfolio strategy for such an environment? The golden rule is the following. You never want to fight the Fed. You want to challenge the Fed where it makes sense to do so. So I divided my approach into two Monday, two um, overviews. One is medium term, six to 12 months from now is the time horizon. And there I find value in two to five year treasuries or uh, summer 2024 euro dollar coal spreads or software coal spreads. In other words, the belly of the bond markets. And the second part is to be long defensive bond proxies uh, sectors in the equity market, utilities or consumer staples, for example, especially against cyclical uh, exposed sectors of the equity market, financials or industrials, for example. And why do I want this combination in my portfolio? Is that in an average recession, the Fed cuts by three to 400 basis point in the 12 to 24 months immediately after the recession starts. The bond market today is pricing a 20 to 30% probability of that happening. And my subjective probability for that outcome is higher than that. Also in an average recession, earnings drop by 30% and that's not nearly priced in. Defensive sectors should definitely outperform cyclical sectors in an environment like this. On a short term, one to two months, I really want to call your attention, guys, to do not underestimate market's muscle memory. Because for 10 years, any remote hint of a fat pivot meant buy the dip, hand over fist. The initial equity market reaction might well be similar. We have seen it post the CPI release. Bonds, gold, stocks, everything rallied in the short term. As inflation further slows down and the labor market cools off, unexperienced traders with a very short mu uh, muscle memory will be trying to put up Fed pivot trades that will buy equities. Well, I will be patiently waiting for them to set up tactical S&P shorts. I don't have one yet. I think 4,200 might be a very good entry, but we'll talk about it when we get there. For the time being, do not underestimate the market's muscle memory. 
the same time, on a medium-term perspective, remember, do not fight back. Finally, as an important reminder, from January 1st, guys, um, if you find value in the timely macro analysis and portfolio strategies that the Macro Compass provided and keeps providing, this timely piece on the Federal Reserve meeting and its implication for markets was for free one last time. These and much more will require a paid subscription on the Macro Compass platform. We will definitely step up the game. You will have unique market insights, macro courses, ETF portfolios, tactical trade ideas, top-notch interactive macro tools that you can use yourself to look at markets like investment professionals do. All of this and much more will be available. Gates are closing soon, though, so check out which subscription tier suits you the most. I'll be waiting for you to come on board. There are two buttons in the article you can click. One is called Join Now, and the other is called Get Me In. Otherwise, you can just um, type www.themacrocompass.com forward slash subscribe, and you'll find a landing page with the tiers to choose from. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk again soon.